Salt Lake City, Utah. This is Heart of the Matter, where Mormonism meets biblical Christianity face-to-face. I'm Sean McCraney, your host. Listen, if you have family or friends who can't watch the show live, have them go to www.bornagainmormon.com, and they can click on the TV show right there, and it will give you all the instructions on how to watch the show live from anywhere in the world. Speaking of the world this past week, through our emails, We had emails from Wales, from India, from um, Finland, from other parts of Europe, and a few other places. Because of the advent of the internet, this message is really going out there. People are watching. So uh, we praise God for that. Tonight's a very special show because I'm going to have some very important guests with me uh, after I give my brief monologue, and you'll meet them in a moment. Uh, also, uh, if you want to write me, go to Sean, S-H-A-W-N, at H-O-T-M dot TV. It's a new email, Sean, at H-O-T-M dot TV, because uh, we're changing everything around. You know when you, you grow and you got to change, and that is part of the recent changes. Lifeway Christian Bookstore is now carrying I Was a Born Again Mormon. They're at 6336 South State Street across from the Fashion Place Mall. Uh, I'm telling you this because Lifeway Books nationwide is looking into carrying the books as well. And we look forward to that to happening so people from other parts of the nation can pick the book up there instead of just having to get it through us. You can go to the website to find out other information about where to pick up I Was a Born Again Mormon. In Project Abandoned Ship, We have had a number of people write us and tell us about how they've taken their names off the records of the church. Jacqueline said, I had my name taken off. The instructions were at the website mormonnomore.com. It is very easy. They provided a copy of a letter on the website that I could easily understand and send. And uh, after she did this, she said they had left her alone and it's changed her life. So remember in Project Abandoned Ship, Send a message to Salt Lake City. Tell them you're not going to put up with uh, these doctrines hanging over their head anymore. And that when you send your name in to have uh, go through Mormon No More or, or go to www.bornagainmormon.com or go to utlm.org, which is a great site for a lot of information about Mormonism, to find out how to get your name off the records of that church. In the same vein, uh, my good friend from Idaho sent me an interesting thing about the Titanic since I've been likening the Titanic to the church and to get in the lifeboats now 
It seems that uh, not many people realize that the Titanic was carrying thousands of jars of mayonnaise as it crossed the, the ocean, and the ship was going to deliver this mayonnaise to Mexico uh, after it stopped in New York. Unfortunately, the Titanic hit the iceberg and sank, and the Mexican people were very disappointed at the loss of this. In fact, they celebrated on May 5th, and they call it Cinco de Mayo. <laughs> Uh, the fun never ends, does it? A prisoner in, uh, uh, at the point of the mountain sent me an email, and he wrote, you stated matter-of-factly you did not care whether Jesus came back today, tomorrow, or 2,000 years from now. This upset him greatly. He said, young man, in the word, he quotes 2 Timothy 4.8, where it states plainly, now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, not only to me, but also all those who have longed for his appearing. What I said rubbed him the wrong way. In the NIV, he quoted that scripture. If you go to the King James Version, it, it has Paul talking to Timothy and giving Timothy instructions. And prior to this verse, he says, hey, Timothy, I fought the good fight. And he is about to, to go to his grave. He's about to end his ministry. And, he sa and, and the context of this verse, he says in the King James, henceforth, that's the word that begins this passage, meaning now I'm ready, okay, to go see the Lord. Now, please understand, uh, my friend, I did not mean that I do not want to see the Lord Jesus Christ, but I have him with me here on this in, in my life. So, do every, so does every Christian. And I, I have people that I care about that I want to know that news. And the only thing I've ever had an exception with a certain attitude is just send the rapture right now, in the world right now, I can't take it anymore. And I want it to go on because there are so many people who don't know him. It has no disrespect to wanting to see the Lord again, none at all. I, I, and I know in his good time and good measure, all those things are going to happen. But I just really, we have it on our heart to reach people who do not know him yet, who want to know him. And, and, and as long as that's on my heart, I'm going to continue to speak it. Uh, a letter from uh, someone who has watched the show. Scott is his name and his wife, um, uh, Wendy, talk about how over the years Scott has been LDS and struggled and struggled with the guilt and with uh, things feeling like he wasn't doing the right thing, and he's a spiritual person, and he struggled, and she says, Scott is being baptized this Sunday at Mountain View, United Methodist Church, and uh, we are so fortunate that we found this church. They've been watching the show forever. She thanks us for the ministry, and we praise God for when we can help Latter-day Saints understand the bondage that they're under and how they can come free in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, Elizabeth wrote, Mormons say they're Christian, Jesus Christ is even in their title. Well, then the LFLDS are Mormons because they have Latter-day Saints in their title. At least they follow the same Joseph Smith and Brigham Young. As far as doctrine goes, aren't they exactly the same church? Yes, they are. They just follow a different prophet right now, right? And that's true. So she makes a really good point, Elizabeth. We thank you for that. And uh, another one that's in the news is the Handbook of Instructions. I guess there's a copyright problem. The LDS Church, through one of their subsidiaries, intellectual property rights, is going after, like they did UTLM, about property rights and somebody on the Internet publishing their entire church handbook. The LDS Church is furious that somebody has published the church handbook, and they won't take it down. 
And what it does is they show what the LDS Church Handbook says today versus what it said in 1961, I think. And the comparison and the things that they say in that handbook are embarrassing. And the LDS Church is mad because you can go on the internet and the site refuses to take it down. Brandon revealed this to me, sent this email a while ago. And so this information, again, what, why would any church be afraid of someone reading their handbook? What would cause a church to be afraid of reading our handbook, Lord's Word? The only thing I could be afraid of is the doodling I do when I'm bored in there. I mean, what are they afraid of? They're afraid of the incomprehensible stuff that's said in there regarding people and the sins they commit and all this other junk. So they're trying to sweep that up. You've probably heard about that. And with that, I think that's the up-to-date news. We're going to go into our message, but let's first have a prayer. Dear uh, God of heaven, we love you and we thank you. And uh, we're grateful for this airtime, for the ministry, for the station, for the volunteers, for our audience, for the viewers, and uh, for your word. We pray that uh, all will go well tonight and uh, you'll continue to be in our lives as you have been and reach those who are seeking for you in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we invite uh, people on the set, let me briefly cover one of the most absurd and even contradictory changes, charges unthinking LDS people make in their 17 points of the true church. We're at number six of the 17 points, and it says, the true church must have no paid clergy. That's a sign of the true church, the LDS say. The LDS used Bible passages from Isaiah and 1 Peter to support not just this unbiblical claim, but this anti-biblical claim, which they are hypocritically guilty of breaking. Remember this, it is unbiblical to say that there should be no paid ministry and that the LDS have a paid ministry, okay? This is a major theme of derision within the LDS, especially with the missionaries. When they go knocking on the door and they see somebody who goes to a church and someone might be investigating Mormonism, they bring this card out and it's the, do you have someone who is paid to preach the gospel? In the temple uh, film that LDS watched, there used to be, I don't know if there still is, I haven't been in one for a while, but there used to be a, a preacher who wore a Protestant uh, outfit, and Satan had a dialogue with him, and, and Satan says to the preacher, I will pay you very well if you preach your gospel to these people, meaning the prosperity of Adam and Eve. So it is really part of the LDS mindset that if there is a preacher who teaches the gospel for money, they are in the employment of Satan. Hence, the number six point is the true church must have no paid clergy. They love to pull this, you're only doing it for money card. And they think themselves justified because their local level leadership, their bishops, their stake presidents, everybody at the local level, nobody is paid. Okay, And so they say, we have a cler our clergy is not paid. We're all volunteer. Hence, you know, we are better. We're the true church, and every other church is wrong. Well, let's talk about this in more depth for a minute. First of all, let's look at the passage they provide. Isaiah 45.13. Isaiah 45.13. Look that passage up and read it because it has nothing to do, nothing to do with the topic at hand. I'm not going to read it. The passage refers to Cyrus. And what he did for the Jews as a type of Christ. Okay, that's it. You can we'll have this recorded. Look at it. 
The second verse they use is at least applicable to this, to this topic, and it's 1 Peter 5.2. It says, quote, Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. Okay? End quote. That passage the missionaries will use to say, look it. It says right here, not for filthy lucre, not by constraint, but willingly and with a ready mind. But what is the context of the verse? Pastors are without a doubt called to teach and feed the flock of God. Uh, this is wisdom in God's heart that they do it because they're called and not for filthy lucre. Anybody who gets into ministry for the money is a fool. All right? I mean, point blank. The problem is, is we see a few people who have abused the system, who are public figures, who have mega churches, and it seems like, look at what they have done. This is what they're all about. So there are those instances where you're going to have bad apples get into the ministry. Um, but I got to tell you, the, the majority, they do, these, these men are men of a willing heart who uh, forego the treasures and pleasures of this earth, and they teach the flock the word of God, not for filthy lucre. And uh, there's no problem in Peter saying this, because if there is a pastor teaching for filthy lucre, they should be removed, okay? Paul wrote in 1 Timothy 5.17, Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. For the scripture says, thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treads out the corn, and the laborer is worthy of his reward. What does this mean? It means that pastors, those who labor in sharing the doctrines and the word, could and should, could and should receive compensation for their labors. The phrase or the scripture, thou shalt not muzzle the ox, is a reference to the Old Testament, and it is throughout, it is used throughout the New Testament to justify a pastor who is receiving contributions, voluntary contributions from people who benefit by hearing his teaching and his word. Jesus said the same thing to his apostles in Matthew chapter 10. Jesus said, not in the same words, but he said, take no script, these are to his apostles, for your journey, neither two coats, neither shoes, nor yet staves, for the workman is worthy of his meat. What he's saying is you will go out and people will support you in what you're doing. David wrote in the Proverbs 27, 18, Whoso keepeth the fig tree shall eat the fruit thereof. So he that waiteth on his master shall be honored. In making a case for the right of ministers in the gospel to actually be compensated, Paul said this, listen, Quote, 1 Corinthians 9, 7, Who serves as a soldier at his own wages at any time? Who plants a vineyard and does not eat of its fruit? Who feeds a flock and does not partake of the milk of the flock? Do I say these things according to man, or does not the law say also, for it is written in the law, Moses, you shall not muzzle the mouth of the ox that treads out the grain. Does God take care of oxen, Paul asks? Or does he, say all to, does he say it altogether for our sakes? He goes on. It is written for us so that he who plows should plow in hope, and so he who threshes in hope should be partaker of his hope. If we have sown to you spiritual things, 
is it a great thing if we shall reap your carnal things? Okay, he asks that rhetorical question. If we've sown to you spiritual things, is it so great a thing if we reap your carnal things? And he ends with this. Even so, the Lord ordained those announcing the gospel to live from the gospel. All right. The LDS omit these passages in their claims that you can't have a paid clergy. They give you a couple very vague passages, but they omit these ones that actually justify and recommend that someone who's teaching the word is supported by the fruit of this labor. Now, if God, as the scriptures teach, um, respects and allows people to be supported by those who are being fed, God must know that this is the best system for the dissemination of the gospel by his pastors and ministers. Think about this. Taking all the other expectations into account, they're assuming that they are humble, they have been called, they're not out for filthy lucre, they're out to teach the word to the, uh, to the uh, sheep, they're not out to fleece the sheep. All those things that would be normally expected of someone who loves God and wants to share his word, this is a very, it's very reasonable to expect that those people would support someone who did that and their families. After all, the Levitical priests lived off the offerings in the Old Covenant, right? Did you know that? That Aaron, their inheritance was what was given to them by the leftover offerings. They fed their families by those things. So again, if God ordained pastors to feed the flock and those, that flock support those pastors, who ordained that they shouldn't be fed that way? I've given this a lot of thought over the years, and uh, we're going to wrap this up in a second. But if a congregationally supported pastor's job is to feed the flock the word of God week in and week out, and to counsel them using the word, and to oversee them relative to the word, what would be the duties of a non-paid local level clergy be? What are the duties of a paid pastor who teaches the word? And if, and if a church believes that that isn't the responsibility of the pastor, then what would be the responsibilities of a pastor in a different situation? And I want to tell you what it is in the LDS church. Their local level leaders, their job is to ensure obedience among the flock. It's not to feed the flock the word of God, but to manage them and to move them in through the steps of Mormonism. It's to maintain the status quo in their wards, which is similar to a congregation. It's to counsel using prescribed LDF method, methods and not the word. And it's to advance their memberships. The bishop looks over the ward, and it's to take each different member and to get them to advance to the point where they are worthy to enter into the temple. Okay? So here is the scenario. Think about this. You have, uh, let me give you an, uh, uh, two scenarios. The first one is a single standing church has a pastor who loves the Lord. He studies the word. He teaches it to his congregation. And for a fair and reasonable salary out of the contributions that the congregation voluntarily gives, he and the board allow him to take some a measure to feed his family and to live with a roof over their head. That's the first scenario. Or a multinational institutionalized corporation where everybody there is encouraged to pay 10% 
or they can't go and receive temple blessings and to go to the highest uh, level of heaven if they don't pay that 10%. And if they don't pay the 10%, they also don't get to become a leader or one of these volunteer bishops or overseers of this ward or stake. So what you have is on one hand, they're saying one man should not be fed who has a true heart for God and studies the word. And yet on the reverse side, the Mormons make sure that everybody is feeding the church or else they can't get to heaven. Which one is more of God and which one's more diabolical? They make such a big deal about this that it's just not right to have a a, a paid clergy. Now, here's the second point of this, and then we're going to jump to the phones in a second. All of their church educational system, and what is a pastor but the in-house church educational system, all of their church educational system people are paid. They are paid a salary. That's a paid clergy because they're put in spots to teach seminary and to teach the CES and to come up with manuals and everything else. Most of the people from the stake level on up all the way to Salt Lake, three buildings high over here, are all paid salaries. All of the apostles are paid salaries. Now they'll say, oh, it's a modest income. It's a salary. Do you think a pastor out there in Panguitch is, is getting a great income? You know, it's, it's a salary. You try to justify everything, but you're getting paid for it. The regional representatives get paid. And then you, you wonder, well, how much are they really getting paid I want to make you a bet, and I don't know this to be fact. This is Sean McCraney's conjecture. I would be willing to bet that Thomas S. Monson, the prophet of that church, who has for 30 years, since he was 30 years of age, been in the church and had his hand in the trough. So since he was 30 till today, this prophet has been in the church system. He's a multimillionaire. I'm willing to bet right now. If someone proves me differently, I'll I'll take you to dinner, anywhere you want to go, but I'll bet he's a multimillionaire. So you sit there and you knock on doors and say, we don't have a paid clergy. And you have a guy who's been in the church since he was 30 years of age, taken from the trough, and today, having been in the church that long, is a multimillionaire. How does he do it? You guys go and follow the money trail, and you'll stop preaching about the biblical edict that simple, loving, good shepherd pastors are... um, are not doing the Lord's will because they receive something from the flock who voluntarily give it, all right? We're going to open up the phone lines, 801-973-TV20, 801-973-8820. If you have a comment or a question on anything I've said or anything from before, that would be great. While the operators are taking your calls, I have a very special guest to introduce to you. This is not her forte. She doesn't like this kind of thing. I had to bend her arm, massage her feet, and all kinds of things to get her to come on here. But let me introduce to you my wife, Mary McCraney. First time in 112 shows, 14 shows, that she's been on Heart of the Matter. We invite you to call in and ask Mary questions directly. Please be kind. And... uh, But you can ask her anything you want, and you can ask her about being in a a home that is uh, part LDS, part Christian, what it was like for for me to become a Christian. She's LDS, our temple marriage, our children, whatever it is you want to do, uh, feel free to call in 801-973-TV20. And and while we're waiting, uh, let me tell you a couple things about Mary. Mary and I, we knew each other before I went on a Mormon mission. And then uh, she said she would write me every week while I was on the mission, and she didn't write me once. (laughs) 
And uh, and so I got back from the mission, and she sent me one letter. I got like four days before I came home. It was like, I'm, oh, you know, you're the greatest on Earth. I'm like, yeah. And so I get off on the, the plane. I go home, and then uh, I get with Mary the next day, and we get engaged that day. That was 24 years ago of living bliss for me and living hell for her. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. Uh, she thought she was getting a, a good deal. She thought she was getting someone who was going to be stable, LDS, priesthood holder guy. And uh, you know the story of what happened there. So, uh, Mary, anything you want to say as we go to the phones in just a minute? It was all worth it. Uh, I have not prompted her on anything to say here, okay? We have Alan in South Jordan. Alan is on line one. Alan, you're on Heart of the Matter. Uh, yes, I just had a quick cool. comment. Uh, I was uh, following along in your uh, verses in 1 Corinthians 9, and it doesn't look like you made any comment on verse 18, which says, Paul says, I don't preach for, uh, I preach without charge, that I abuse not my power in the gospel. Uh, I just wondered your interpretation of that verse uh, didn't want you to leave it out and then it's a great I'll, question i'll hang up before you hang up on me okay? no don't hang up alan stay on so you can hear so you can hear it yes i'm gonna hear it i'm, I'm watching okay well just keep, stay on you know paul he was very clear and if you're intellectually honest you'll agree that he was clear that there's nothing wrong at all with people receiving funds but paul simply said i'm not going to do it so there's no question i'm going to continue to be a tent maker so there's no question is my integrity, because there are questions of integrity when money gets involved. But he did support the biblical stance that it is fine. Now, do you agree with that, or are you saying that's not correct? Well, I, I, his wording says, uh, so that I don't abuse okay. my power in the okay. gospel. It looks like it's kind of a... Okay, Alan, again, you're being an unfair, typical, prototypical, apologetic uh, LDS jerk here. You're not being fair. It ticks me off to no end, my friend. Oh. You know you know the scriptures well, and you know I just gave you examples of how it's okay and the ox should not be muzzled. Okay. But you're coming and you're using one verse. Calm down. I'm a, I'm a nice jerk. Um, no, you're really not. It's not nice to mislead people well, with I, the truth. That's not nice. I think we should look at all the verses. I think we did. I'm not trying to embarrass you. I'm just you're not embarrassing me. You're embarrassing yourself, and it makes me mad when you try to mislead people. Okay, uh, I'm 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 ten feet tall. I tell you every time I call, you tell me to grow up, and I'm trying, uh, but uh, uh, you're not doing a good job of it. I mean, what do you want? Okay, you, you call and you bring things out of context. And you try to prove them as truth, they're not true. All right, let's be Christian, okay. Um, I'm being Christian, I'm proving you the truth. Okay. You're not being Christian, you're bringing forth a lie. All right, all right, okay, all right. Okay. Well, I love your program. Well, good, I, keep I watching. Wish I had time. All right. My wife brought this spirit to the set, I'm telling you. This is like the living room at home, I'm kidding. All right, we're going to Jason in Sumter, South Carolina. Jason, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hey, Sean, how you doing, man? I'm doing well. How are you, Jason? Oh, man, I'm doing all right, I reckon. Uh, hey, I just had a comment uh, talking about on, on the monologue you had tonight, talking about paid ministers. Yeah. Well, uh, when you're talking about a, a, a pastor all right, that's paid in a, in a Christian church, uh -huh. and you're talking about uh, a man that's there to feed the flock the Word of God, He's there to uh, support family when times of, you know, sickness, uh, you know, 
I, I know I, I like my pastor to be there anytime for spiritual uplifting. Anytime I need help from a pastor, he's always there. Right. He's always he's always available to help out with any questions spiritually I have. Yeah. Anything like that. Well, if you have a a, a clergy, okay, a paid clergy as in the LDS Church that's not there all the time, that's not getting paid, that means he has to go out and find a job to support his family. That's right. Well, then that leaves you know the spiritual help of that person is not there because he's off working, you know, supporting his family, and he can't attend to the duties that a person in charge of a flock would, you know, need to have. Absolutely. You know, so I, I think because, you know, my, my pastor's been a big help to me, and just having him there all the time is, is excellent. And so I, I can't imagine, you know, uh, going, going, you know, uh, going back to, to well, going back to Mormonism, but even going back to having somebody that's not there all the time. Right. You know, uh, I don't know. I thought I'd just throw that in there. Hey, Jason, it's a really good point. I really appreciate it because it makes sense, doesn't it? It does. I mean, you know, uh, I mean, it, it just makes sense. I mean, yeah. Uh, but anyway, okay. I just want to give you a call and, and, and say, hey, and uh, y'all take care out there now. Thanks for watching. Like your accent. Oh. <laughs> You know, I spend, uh, I'll get off the phone, I promise you. <laughs> I had, uh, at my first 18 months I spent at Hill Air Force Base, which oh. is in northern Utah. Yeah. And uh, the whole time they're there, they're like, you know, Utah funny. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe somebody from Utah would tell you that. <laughs> I, you know, it's amazing, yeah. <laughs> okay, my brother, thanks so much. God bless you. God bless you, bye-bye. And he's right, uh, you know, it is tough. Uh, you're earning a living uh, with a job outside, um, and then you're called to be the bishop of the ward. And so you also have those ministerial duties, and you have the meetings, and you have uh, uh, the people who need you to come, and you call their home. And so what happens is they have a saying that is usually the worst kid in the ward is the bishop's son, because uh, they're the ones who aren't getting the attention, and it really shouldn't be that way. And so uh, another fallout from the, pay, from the volunteer thing that they promote as being uh, so virtuous and good when, in fact, it is anti-biblical. We're going to Brian in Salt Lake City, first-time caller. Brian, you're on Heart of the Matter. You. Brian, you're on the air. How are you? Hi. How are you? I'm doing well, Brian. How are you? Good. Hey, I've got a question. Uh, I was born and raised in the FLDS, and I, I later married a, a woman that uh, is from the LDS, and I wanted to, I wanted to ask your wife, basically, uh, how that works out with having two different faiths in your household and uh, uh, what, what kind of speed bumps you guys have come, uh, had to come over um, and maybe some advice that way. Hey, Brian, do you want to listen on air? you want to hang up and call back? Hang up and listen on the uh, television. Uh, yeah, that'd be fine. I'll hang up and listen. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. That really helps when we do that because it frees up the calls for other people, the operators, to get on it. All right, Mary, what do you, what do you have to say on that? The, the mixed religion going on in the house. Watch Kevin. I'm here, Kevin. Uh, it wasn't mixed for the first lot of years. I think it was with him but I, you know, was oblivious to it, I guess. He was searching, he was searching. I thought we had the truth, but I was raising these little kids and just trying to keep my head above water and um, just trying to get through it. When I realized that his search was taking him farther than I wanted to go, I was angry. 
It ticked me off. I was almost out the door. But I watched, I watched God step in. Um, I've been <laughs> warned not to cry. I watched God step in. I watched yet God give him a peace that he had never had. And I watched him change. And as he changed, instead of my bringing him back to Mormonism, which I thought I was going to do, I went his way because I wanted what he had. Because he had a peace that I had never seen in him, and I'd known him since he was 18. And the arguments ended there. And 18 was only 12 years ago, so. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you know, also, Brian, um, you've met uh, an LDS woman in your FLDS. At least in that circumstance, you have similar beliefs. I mean, and the LDS would go ballistic hearing me say this, but uh, I mean, you have the same beliefs. You believe in Joseph Smith. You believe in Brigham Young. The only thing where you're differing on truly is polygamy. You know, and uh, the LDS are trying to distance themselves from that. And you said you met an LDS woman, and, and you, so you have that commonality of belief. So when it comes to just being married, at least you have that commonality of belief. But, brother, I, you know, Brian, aside from all that, I would just like to talk to you about finding the Lord Jesus Christ and, uh, and, and stepping away from what Brigham and Joseph taught. And that's what our show's about. I know you had a question that was different than that. But give that a shot. Give that a chance. And if you want to email us or if we can get together with you sometime, you can come to the show. We can become friends and we can talk about that. But give that a shot before you go and get married to an, F, uh, an LDS woman, be an FLDS, and all those things that are involved in it. We're going to Diana and Sandy. Diana, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hi, Sean. How are you? Hi, I'm doing well. How are you? Great. I, I have a question for Mary. Okay. Um, I, I think that she's saying that she's LDS and that you're Christian, and I wondered why she hasn't come to accept Christ. If that's, if that's what he's saying. We're on three. You, okay. you answer that. Wait, I don't understand. I'm... Say that again, Diana. Um, I understand, or I'm, I think I'm understanding that Mary is saying that she's LDS. Oh, okay. And I know, Sean, that you're Christian. And so my question for Mary is, why has she not come to accept Christ? Oh, I have. Completely and totally. Um... Still LDS, I guess, on the books, because I just haven't gone through the process yet, but in my heart, I'm Christian all the way. Okay, and so you still attend LDS church? Randomly, I go with my mom uh, because I don't want her to be alone, and I sit with her through sacrament meeting, um, and then when she goes to do her thing in the nursery with the kids, I leave. Uh-huh. Um, I have a daughter that likes to attend sometimes because her friends are there. I'll go with her, you know, you just, um, but our hearts are, are Christian all the way. We like to attend Calvary Chapel in Costa Mesa and um, couldn't ask for anything better. And let me, let me also make a comment, Diana. Um, and this was what our ministry was founded on from the beginning. And that is for people to have a relationship with Jesus Christ who are within the LDS church. And instead of being, we're going to extract you first, and then we're going to get you to know Jesus, it was, we want you to know Jesus, and then you can decide what you're going to do as far as Mormonism goes. So Mary, after seeing me go through this change, she went for two years trying to have this spiritual rebirth experience, and she didn't get it. And it was frustrating to her, and, uh, 
But in time, she did. She's born again. Now, when she says, I know Christ, she's not saying that in the LDS sense. No. She's a regenerated, born-again Christian who attends the LDS church because of culture. Her mother still attends, and one of her daughters still goes because of friends. But as far as where her heart and her Christianity is, it is with Christ in the body of Christ. Uh-huh. And, and that's the point that really needs to be made clear. Now, your follow-up question could be, why doesn't she take her name off the record of the church? Well, in one sense, and this goes against the abandoned ship thing, but the abandoned ship is for people who have had their names on who don't do anything with it. But in one sense, Mary is still able to go to the LDS church, and if I ever want to walk and sit in there and listen on a meeting, I can do that with her being tied in, and they can't get me out. I'm her husband. If, if, if I didn't have a connection to that church, I'd be escorted out by three large Samoans so, uh, who were believers. So, uh, you know, that's just how it is in our family. We are not dogmatic about the rules and, and comings and goings of things, but in our family, I can tell you right now, the woman is more Christian as far as what her activities are, her heart, and she listens to more Christian radio than, uh, than I could ever believe. So that's just something in addition. Anything else, Diana? No, so you, um, your household is not two, two different religions then? No. No. Okay. No. That's, that was confusing. Okay. I'm sorry. Glad it's cleared up. Yep. Thanks for the call. Okay, bye-bye. All right, bye-bye. We're going to Joe in Springville on line one. Joe, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hey, Pastor McCraney. How are you tonight? I'm doing well, Joe. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. I just had one question for Mary, if I may ask her, please. All right. Um, the question I have is, <clears throat> having been LDS most of my life and then coming to Christianity, I was just wondering if she can recall when you first uh, started uh, making your way toward Christianity and away from Mormonism, if she had noted any personal, uh, if she noticed a regenerated spirit in you, or if there's anything you were more uh, loving, more kind, uh, if you were uh, just preaching the word more, or if there's any personality, just in general, did she notice uh, the same old Sean or somebody different, or or just uh, the great guy she married, I guess? <laughs> well, you're doing really good now. All right, hold on. Uh, J- Joe, you want to hang up and listen off the air? Uh, yes, I do. All right, thanks so much. Hang up. Bye-bye. All right, Mary. Complete and total reformation. Total extremes. I watched him go from... Uh, a tortured soul. I mean, he could just never find rest with anything. How much detail can I go into? <laughs> Not much. <laughs> uh, you know, everything from road rage to it, it, everything. He just could not, uh, nothing, Just he just couldn't relax through anything. And when I saw this happen, and when he claimed he had this experience, I just sat back and watched. And I watched. And I had to watch for a few years, because nothing was... Uh, it was, it was, you know, everything's a process, but I watched it change. A completely different man who things can go by now that uh, he can let go and say, you know, that person must be whatever, and that would have never happened before. And I watched the change be genuine. I made sure it was the real thing, and then it was going to stick. And just everything from how he uh, treated my parents and helped out my parents when, when they really needed it, to how the father, the kind of father that he is and has been, uh, 
you, and now he's doing this, and he loves these people genuinely, can ask her anymore. Okay, and uh, Mary, what uh, Joe asked about you, and how when did you realize that uh, Jesus was working and operative in your life differently from the Mormon experience? In my life. Two. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's like Sean said to the caller earlier. I, Sean kept claiming he had this side of the road experience where he pulled over, said the sinner's prayer, and things changed. Uh, not that way for me at all, and I was completely frustrated by that. And I kept, I would, I run, I like to run. Uh, and I run in the mornings, I would listen to Christian radio as I ran. I said that sinner's prayer every morning on that run for two years, easily. And would cry because I just never felt like it took. Um, and I could not even tell you when it did take. But all of a sudden having a conversation with him, I realized I had, I had the peace that I was... Um, it was there. What I had been striving for had somehow been there, or it was now there. And I, I realized the difference, but I couldn't, it was sometime in that two-year period, I couldn't tell you exactly when. That and, and yes, and I can also add that uh, it was greatly, it was very frustrating to her. And, um, and then when she did come around, it was a peace. It was a peace that was not like the world gives. And she was able to handle uh, things differently. And she was able to just, it, her response to things was, was like of the Lord. And then she started speaking the vernacular. And, and I, I've said on the show before, that's kind of indicative of culture, but it's also indicative of a changed heart. And she started talking about, you know, God. And then she started talking about Jesus and the Lord. And then she, it started to become more and more part of who she was. And Mormonism and the stuff of Mormonism just started dropping away. And then her eyes started opening. And I'm a personal witness of that. That can happen to you, too. And uh, it has nothing to do with us on the show. It has nothing to do with another man or woman. It has to do with you wanting to know. You have to desire to know. And you go to God in your quiet of your room or in your car or with a pastor or with another believer and you pour your heart out and you ask him to take over control of your life and you ask him to forgive you of your sins and you say I want a personal relationship with you Jesus please give me that relationship you have two people sitting here one definitely was so far from that you wouldn't have believed it another one who was close to it but was tied up in religion like you couldn't believe and both of us have had the experience and have come to test that to you we're going to take two more calls and then we have two more special guests where we're going to not answer the calls and just going to read some questions so that they don't uh, have to worry about being live here on Heart of the Matter. We're going to Mark in Salt Lake City, first time caller. Mark, you're on the air. Oh, thank you. I heard years ago that the general, LDS general authorities were not paid directly by the church but were placed on boards of directors for institutions like Zions Bank, ZCMI, or Deseret News, other in church-owned institutions, then they could collect a high salary kind of around, around, in a roundabout way, but not directly from the church. Is yeah. that, now that was just hearsay, is there a truth to that? You know what, Mark, I don't know. I know it's hearsay as well. I know a, a Mormon, or oh, what's the name of that book, uh, if anyone can yell it out, it it has the picture of the temple, Mormons in big uppercase letters, and it was a study of the business practices. And it gives more information about how they're paid, but that's still vague. That was a rumor I had always heard. But, uh, so I don't know the answer to that. I don't know how they're paid, but I know they are paid somehow. And, uh, and I know some of them are well off, but that could also be from 
previous business practices, which is why I use Thomas S. Monson, who's been in the church for so long. How did he get all that money? It's a good question, Mark. I wish I knew it, but I'll try to find it out and answer it later. Okay, let me make a quick comment. Okay. When growing up in the LDS church I, and in Utah, I think I've always appreciated the non-professional atmosphere there, the kind of family, this is our church kind of atmosphere. Yeah. And, you know, just, I've always had my authority problems, authority issues, and having been a Christian for my adult life now, uh-huh. it's still hard sometimes. Um, there's trust issues. Yeah. Being raised here in Utah, I think, with authority. And uh, I don't know, sometimes I think we overdo the pastor thing. Yeah. in the Christian church. You know, it gets too professional sometimes. You know, I, 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 I'm, you know, I'm in the body of Christ, but, and I am a pastor, but I would, com- I would agree with you. And I think sometimes that position is misunderstood, and the scriptures make it perfectly clear that the pastor's job is to feed the flock. And that means feed them the word of God. Everything else is a side issue to that. And uh, you're to really feed that flock. And so I would agree. And I think when you start getting highfalutin and you start getting money involved, and, and there are problems, agree. I, so I agree with you on that point, Mark. That's okay. A good one. God bless you. Bye-bye. We're going to take uh, one uh, last call here and uh, make your way over, girls. We're going to go to Brian and Ogden, first-time caller. Brian, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hi. How you doing? Hey, Brian. Doing well. Hey, I... Uh... I just wanted to say I'm born-again Mormon, been saved for about five years now. Praise um, God. I'm a direct descendant of Martin Harris. Oh. I don't know if, if uh, how much you know about him or not. Yeah, I know quite a bit about Martin Harris. Awesome. Hey, um, I, I minister to a lot of Mormons myself. Uh-huh. And every time I tell them that, they're like, oh, great, he never he never denied the gospel. You know, but I, I do believe that he did deny Joseph Smith. And if you could uh, elaborate on that, that would be awesome. Okay. Thanks so much for the call, Brian. And uh, listen off the air. Uh, and I'm going to defer that because, if Brian, if you go to our shows in 2007, we do the whole history of the church. There's a segment there on Martin Harris. But Martin Harris was a, a, a very um, um, uh, unique church uh, person, and he had experiences that were unique. And so I can't comment in depth here. But uh, go back to 2007 and listen to our church history shows, especially in the first two months, January and February, and you'll hear all about Martin Harris and the conflicts he had with the First Vision, Joseph Smith, etc. Sorry for that short answer. We're going to move on, my brother. God bless you. you. Bye-bye. I think that was perhaps the worst answer I've ever given on Heart of the Matter. All right. Well, we have with us, we take the three shot, we have my daughters, and we're not taking any more calls. And I'm going to read now questions we've received uh, through the internet email for them. To my daughters, listen carefully. This is Delaney and this is Cassidy. Oh, and let me give you a brief history about them. Delaney's our youngest and uh, Delaney is uh, very involved in volleyball. And uh, she uh, is a seamstress and her desire is to be a fashion designer. She's made her other sister's prom dresses she has a little line, Delaney McCraney clothes, and she works very hard. She's a good student, and she's a good girl. She is uh, uh, gonna, very interesting. You're going to hear from her. And then we have Cassidy, which you've seen on the air before. And Cassidy is graduating from uh, high school now, and uh, this next two weeks, 
Cassidy has been an uh, avid leader in volleyball and, and her home school and club. And then she's also going to film school now in uh, San Francisco and she's written scripts, screenplays. And so these are artistic uh, girls who have good hearts. And the first question for you is, girls, uh, would you ever marry a Mormon boy? And what would your dad think about this? <laughs> um, personally, I would never count out uh, religion, you know, never say I won't marry him because he's Mormon. To me, it's about the relationship he has with God. Um, I have a group of friends who I've always thought potentially I could marry. They're all Mormon. Well, not all of them. That, that would be kind of weird. Just one of them. But, um, and my dad wouldn't care. My dad just cares about the type of person he is, how his heart is, and his relationship with God. And, you know, he doesn't hate Mormons at all. They, he loves my friends. He loves my Mormon friends. They, they love him. They know everything he does. And, you know, they don't think anything different because he's just a great guy. So. Oh. Excellent answer. <laughs> Delaney? She took all of the words out of my mouth <laughs> like usual. <laughs> <laughs> nothing, nothing to add? No, just um, I don't think I would like to get married in the temple, but other than that, everything's okay as long as the guy has a good relationship with God. Okay. And when you say God, uh, I'm asked this so our audience understands. When you say God, what do you mean a good relationship with God? Delaney? Um, uh, just that he believes that the only way to get to heaven is to have, is to believe that Jesus is our Savior and he died on the cross for our sins and that's all that really matters. Anything more to add, Cass, to that? No. Okay. This is to Sean's shorty, which in vernacular is my wife. Uh, why have you remained with this fruitcake when you could have a real man like me? Um, this is an email, and uh, do you have any comment for that? <laughs> I don't even know what a shorty is, and I don't think a real man would have written that email. All right. So. <laughs> Uh, to the McCraney girls, I met you at the park last summer. Do your LDS friends know who your dad is and what he says about the church? Have your LDS friends treated you differently? Are you embarrassed to talk with them about what he does? Um, my friends, I think, are too young to really know what he does, and they just get the their parents' side on it and the biased opinion from their perspective but um i i really don't care what they know i would love to share with them what he does and um they're still really good friends even though they know what he does and all right yeah. Cass. my friends know too it's not something we talk about but we have before and i'm not embarrassed by any means the only awkward thing about it is really the parents um they tend to give false information about my dad, and I hear it, and I just, it's really funny to me because I don't know where it comes from, but um, as for my friends, it's, it's all fine. Okay. Um, what do you like to the family? What do you like about being Mormon, and what do you like about Christianity that you have found? Let's start with Mary. Mary, what do you like about the LDS Church, and what have you uh, found in Christianity that you like? Look at camera three. I think 
I'm sorry, I'm thinking. I can only. Um, I like what the LDS Church does for family. I like that they encourage that. I think that's why my parents got involved in it to begin with, is because they liked what it did for family. But I don't like the fact that, uh, as an LDS person, I never understood who Jesus Christ was. He was kind of mentioned every now and then in the name of Jesus Christ, amen, type of thing. Whereas I like, as a Christian, that it's all about Jesus Christ. He's everything. Instead of just being the sideline, it's, he's everything. That's, that's my greatest appreciation. Cassidy? Um, Delaney and I are avid fans of the Mormon dances. We <laughs> are very social still, and that we're going to youth conference this summer. Um, so we really have a lot of fun in their social events. But uh, I personally can't stand going to church there anymore. I just really hate what I hear. I don't know if that's bad to say, but... Say what you want. It's, uh, I, I just, it makes me physically ill. I just can't, I can't sit there. Um, and I love the Christian worship. I love going to Christian church, but it's kind of sad because I feel like I can depend more on my Mormon friends to have a clean, fun time, whereas my Christian friends, it's, I, I still worry, you know, about making wrong decisions because I feel like they take advantage of, you know, easily forgiven by Jesus. So I just wish my uh, Mormon friends knew the Jesus that I knew, you know. Great answer. Okay, um, Delaney, anything to add? <laughs> like Cassidy said, I love the dances. And, um, but <laughs> um, I don't really mind going to the Mormon church just because I don't really pay attention. I'm <laughs> well, I do. Um, I'm mostly there just for the social aspect of it, but I do have to say that I like the Christian church a lot because of their worship and their activities. And I have also found a really good uh, group of Christian friends that I can rely on and that helps. And let me make a comment if I can. Um, we, uh, I am not at all preaching uh, ecumenism, which means, hey, let's, we're all one good, big, happy family. That's not what this show is about. You, what you're seeing is uh, from firsthand experience of a home where Mormonism was through the fabric of our culture, our jobs, our family relationships, our religious worship, what we thought held us together for eternities, and how that was split up and how it became frayed, and then what brought us back together. And, and, the, and the whole point is, is the Lord Jesus Christ, knowing who he is, trusting his word, and uh, seeking him to give you revival and revision in your life. Our message is to LDS people. This is the Mecca of Mormonism. And it's to those people who do not have that. They may have, you might have religion in your home. You might have the church. But you, if you do not have a family, that can say, oh, Jesus, I need you in my life, or, or uh, I, you know, have this personal relationship with him that comes about because you've been born again. You don't have anything. And our family has come to see that, and it grows more and more. I put a picture of Mallory here. Most of you know who watched the show that Mallory is uh, 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 not a believer yet, but we wanted her to be here uh, uh, with us on the, on the set as we answer these other questions. Okay, this is probably the most important question that could be asked tonight. And this is to the girls. Who are you voting for? <laughs> David Cook, 
or David Archuleta? <laughs> Which was more important? David Cook, David Archuleta, and that is referring to um, American Idol. David Archuleta was from, Salt, from Utah area, uh, Salt Lake City area, and David Cook was something else. All right, girls, who's going first? We were the cookies. We wanted David Cook. Delaney, however, uh, if you're watching David Archuleta, she would really love to get with you and maybe go on a few dates. She's been in love with you since day one. Call the station so. for her number. David, you and, I, you and I are going to have to have a serious talk, David, before you get near David my Archuleta. daughter. <laughs> David Archuleta, exactly. Okay, uh, this is to Mary. Uh, many people say your husband is doing this because he's evil. Uh, he's out to make money, or he has been deceived. What do you think is driving him? Um, he has he he wants to share God. He wants he has a love for the Mormon people, especially the Mormon people who are struggling, who just can't uh, live up to all the expectations, but who are seeking. And he's trying to find them and bring uh, the peace to them that God has brought to him. So uh, let me just recap this. Uh, Born Again Mormon, www.bornagainmormon.com, and this television show, and the Lord's Word, and everything that has to do with our ministry is focused on bringing all people to the Lord Jesus Christ, but particularly because of this area, to the Latter-day Saints. I have said time and time again, our ministry is not to the stalwart members of the church. We know that you are stalwart and your priesthood holders of the priesthood you have and the things you do. And we realize that you, you believe you have the truth and you're going to become a God and you're going to have children eternally and all those things. We know what you believe. But we also know that there are at least, at least 40% of those 13 million people who are disaffected. There are at least 40% of you who are lingering out there in the ether, not knowing who God is, not caring, not really trusting Mormonism, not believing in golden plates, and just having nothing but degradation from sin and a life of, of drink and drugs or sex or guilt or religion or something that keeps you in chains. We want you to know the Lord because don't be afraid to bring Jesus into your home. Don't be afraid if you're LDS and you're watching the show. Don't be afraid to bring him into your home. Don't think it's going to destroy your marriage. Jesus does not destroy marriages unless uh, it's in his will. I shouldn't have said that. But just you can trust him. And we want you to trust him. We want you to learn to teach your children to trust him. Not a bishop. Not a pastor. Not a guy who calls himself a prophet. Trust the Lord Jesus Christ. Have a relationship with him. You'll be born again. Girls, you have 15, five seconds each. Any final comments? We love you, Mallory. We miss you. Can't wait to see you. Anything else? Thanks, Utah, for being so yes. good, Joe. Anything else? Utah. Delaney? Love you. All right. We'll see you next week here on Heart of the Matter. Mm -hmm. Oh, my word. Oh.